just good segue so um, approaching you know uh the end of our encounter i wonder um there's like three big bullet points in my head still one is spiritual bypassing and which i see as the tendency to flee the human messiness uh, by means of spirituality spiritual materialism in i understand it you know uh, a little bit when you are in a room let's say i'm traveling and you're with other people that are in the plant medicine realm and then suddenly it goes yeah i've been to peru and i've done this and you know i've been doing like 50 ceremonies and the next one has been doing and i said with bufo you know kind of this like bragging you know with these experiences and then maybe finally and i really think that's the trickiest one spiritual narcissism so um i don't think we need to unpack all of them but i'm curious at least on a couple of words and your reflections on these topics <laughs> i mean in a lot of ways i think we've 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 spoken to, I shared the experience of in my 30th year of this person having a psychotic break. Um, that's the extreme spiritual bypass, right? Um, I think it's, I think it's what I just said about psychedelic work applies to the spiritual bypass conversation. It's, it's it's such a blunt statement and I'm sure it will piss a lot of people off. If you're not trying to become a better human, you're doing it wrong. That, that... I, I love it. I mean, that's it. This is what the spiritual teacher here gave me when I was 16. He says, I have it on a postcard, one of my oldest ones. He said, all spiritual practice that does not lead into everyday mundane life is is a cul-de-sac like doesn't make like any sense right yeah 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 incarnation is not accidental and non-arbitrary therefore live um so it it feels really good to solve life by not needing to feel it you know i, I it feels it can feel really good but you know, spiritual bypassing is such an interesting thing because it, it is a, it's like there is a slippery slope. There's a, there's a slippery slope of becoming more um, really masterful at um, in training consciousness on stillness. And, and that, that to me is actually one of the spokes of the wheel. It's one of the, or a pillar of, of an evolutionary spiritual map. It's not like, it's not to say, don't do that, right? But it's then to say, are you then able to be responsive to the needs of others? Are you able to be in life with an open heart? And are you able to um, be really effective in your creativity and your power? Um, and additionally, are you able to feel all of your feelings in a way that is uh, not stuffed or um, just subtly dissociated and like are you able to let the the rainbow of your the 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 genius thing that is an emotional body 
express itself. So to me, to me that those two pillars are actually quite hard to hold in the same brain and the same body. And, and where we are right now in, in our, in kind of cracking the codes of being human, I think that those two are two to hold as, as really exquisite dance partners, right? Like the, you could say the sheep, truly the Shiva and Shakti within, like, can we genuinely hold that, that like cultivate that capacity for still point and presence? And can we genuinely cultivate the capacity to feel all of our feelings and be responsive and connected and intimate and um, to experience grief and brokenness and sadness and bliss and all the different juicy textures of appreciation and joy and wonder and um, vulnerability and to be in that rainbow, that Shakti um, totality that, that my research continues to show me is a way that the soul knows itself and steers itself. The soul doesn't actually steer itself through that still point. The soul steers itself through the way our organism is designed to be responsive in a way that's unhindered. You know, our culture, our, our identities block that. And, and then the identity wants, wants to not be chaotic, not, not be a mess, not be. So then we move over to, okay, I'll go for still point. But I mean, one of the things that specifically in pathogens like, like San Pedro and MDMA are actually helpful for is to like just liberate the, the rainbow, liberate the river so you can hear and feel your soul. Um, so I would say like spiritual bypassing is like the place where our ego gets involved in, an, in, a, in like a meta ego that's like, well, this is all very messy. So I'll just like make that sub self really strong and annihilate like the undercurrent that is actually trying to express itself as the, the rainbow of your soul's intelligence. And, um, and I think that's a motivating invitation, right? Where it's like, great, yes, okay, cultivate that, that pillar and that majesty, but that's not the full intelligence of the soul being expressed um, or the full capacity we incarnate with for intimacy with ourselves and others in life and beauty and pain and um, to be imprinted and attuned and informed and inspired and motivated. And um, that's, that's how love knows itself and how choice actually ultimately really knows itself through our, through our, our lives. So that's a little on spiritual bypassing. It's safe, but it's boring. And um, and kind of a dead end for the soul, actually. And um, I think that that's a bridge to spiritual narcissism because in some ways like that, that kind of map I just drew, it's like, it's a very obvious map. It's like, it's like really easy to cultivate the sub self that is perfected. And that's just a, a much more evolved part, an aspect of the ego that is part of the protector controller that's very good at stuffing the emotions and stuffing often connection to other people and doing the right thing in terms of a performative spiritual narrative. 
showing up in a way that is insta-friendly, you know, <laughs> in all the obvious ways, but, um, or not, you know, it can, it can happen in many different zones of the world, but, um, you know, we live in a, um, a, a little bit like the, the spectrum of healthy narcissism is something we all need. We all need a little bit of healthy self-esteem and healthy self-witness and healthy self-appreciation. Um, but we also live in a very narcissistic, in a, in a, in a um, techno-cultural context that really amplifies narcissistic tendencies. And I, I, I actually think we all need to be a little bit vigilant to that specifically and first and foremost in ourselves. And um, I don't think there's a single anecdote to it, but I think, I think becoming wise to it in a way that, that doesn't then grasp towards call-out culture, which just amplifies the whole pattern, but that, that is actually anchored in curiosity um, is a really healthy approach to that. Um, what do you really feel is a good question. So my last question for today is if we both look into the future, we can't predict the future, but, you know, we co-created from the tiny individual level to the context we're embedded in through how we unfold our purpose and the ripple effects our work takes to then the systemic, you know, let's say acupuncture points to really make a, a difference. If you were to take a positive outlook on us collectively and taking your own work and like this rich tapestry um, of topics that we have explored um, today, what gives you hope? And where do you really think that especially uh, integrally informed um, spirituality, putting discernment in the middle and really looking at the individual level, but also at the group level of what is needed in the specific context so that you can heal, grow up, show up and really make a difference. What is it that gives you most hope? Just I want a couple of sentences of this like fire mm. inside of you, the sparkles. And with that, we leave the listeners. What gives me the most hope is seeing how, um, how the attunement, the, the, the connection between this, this um, idea that I spoke earlier of ascension being an actual physical process. What gives me the most hope is seeing people connect their sense of self um, evolution with their sense of um, participating in shifting towards sustainability, regeneration, community nourishment. Like, like that gives me so much hope when people connect the dots and then become activated in, um, in a place of like, here's my own personal healing, my own awakening, my own remembering of, of how epic and beautiful this gift of life is. And here's how I'm doing, creating change in the world with that. I mean, I'm part of a project called a New Earth Project that I helped to instigate that is um, creating 
firstly sustainability, but then working towards circularity in the entire packaging supply chain. And you know, like like I that project as a as a, a microcosm of what will be many, many, many multi-stakeholder macrocosms. I mean, it's it's actually not such a small microcosm. It's involving the biggest surf names in the world and the biggest packaging companies in the world and the biggest consumer brands in the world. And everyone's leaning in. Um, it's involving senators and state governments and like looking at like what's the what's the most transpartisan, cross-partisan political meshwork that we could possibly create that would like dissolve this as a partisan issue. So it's working with a deep red state and a deep blue state into totally different dimensions in America. But the process, the project is international and like watching people light up to that and find their stakeholder participation in it. And then watching how that works for an individual who's working inside a company, watching for how that works as, you know, for a president of a company and watching how it's working in the ecosystem is amazing. To me, what I think is happening for a lot of people, and I've, I've experienced this, that this is true when I talk to people in different ecosystems, that we're, we're in a sense waking up to a story that we're nested inside of. Like it's a story that's bigger than the human story. It's a story of planetary evolution and how humans are participating in the next stage of integrity, coherence, beauty, consciousness on the planet as a whole for all beings on this planet, for all forces of nature on this planet. It's about us harmonizing with biology, harmonizing with ecology, harmonizing with the forces of nature, harmonizing with consciousness, engaging our creative capacity to create circularity that serves the, the continuity of life. And that it's a story about continuity rather than discontinuity. It's not a hero's journey. It's a journey of heroes who have come home, who are all tending home together. And, and I, when, I, when I talk with people about it, they have their own narrative about it and they get it. Like there's an energy to that. That gives me great hope. You know, and if, if I haven't yet quite found a way to ignite that intelligence in the tech world, because Asperger brains tend to be very resistant to feeling that story. But that's my, that, that's the, to me, that's the big play. <laughs> it's like, really, there's a bigger story going on. We're inside of it. And when you tap into it and find your own little, your own part of that symphony, it's really pleasurable. It makes life make sense. Literally, life finally makes sense. The, the fact of human existence and of having choice and of wanting love and of being loved makes sense. So that gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> oh, Samantha, thanks so much for this precious time together. I think it's really beautiful to end with your sparkly giggles. Thanks for the mm. time together. Thank you, Alistair. It's such a pleasure. Mm -hmm.